During the week that her book, Three Things to Help Heal the Planet was published, I headed to the South Bank Centre to Festival Hall for a conversation with Anna Santi. Anna is a writer and a journalist of 15 years. Starting her career in fashion, she was the deputy editor of Draper's Magazine. She then joined Jigsaw as editor-in-chief and during that time co-edited the Comfort Zones anthology of essays and stories by women writers to raise money for Women for Women International. That project was one that she worked on with content agency Sonder and Tell, whose founder, Kate Hamilton, we interviewed back in 2019. Since leaving Jigsaw, Anna has been a freelance journalist and has worked with organisations like The Pound Project to release multiple other books, including the inspiration for the book we're talking about today, Three Things to Help Heal the Planet. This book is a collection of essays from scientists, activists and entrepreneurs who share their advice on how we can all think more deeply and holistically about the way we live and are contributing to the climate crisis. In this conversation, Anna shares the process she went through to take an idea and a frustration and transform it into a book that is now sitting on bookshop shelves. It's a must listen for anyone who's an aspiring published author as she offers advice on how to write book proposals, how to get a literary agent and how to get started with tackling that big problem of your own. As always, I hope you enjoy listening to our chat and that it motivates you into action yourself. So Anna, we're here to talk about your brand new book, Three Things to Help Heal the Planet. First of all, congratulations on the Thanks. publication. It's now out in the world. It is. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about the idea and where it came from? Sure. I remember reading yet another newspaper article about the bleak future of our planet. And I felt the same way as I'd felt after reading lots of articles like that, or whether it's you know seeing someone's Instagram post or listening to a podcast. I just felt anxious. I thought, what, what do I do? And you know, sure, not every article has to have a call to action. That's not what they're about. But I did, I started to get this buildup of anxiety of thinking, surely there's something we can be doing here. And I started talking to my husband about it. And he said, we'll do something about it then. And I said, well, what do I do? And he said, well, you're a writer. How can you bring people together? Maybe you need to, to, you know, ask people what you can do and then find a way of bringing that together. You know, he helped actually in terms of coming up with the idea for it. But it really came down to that, wanting to do something. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think so many of us want to do something about it, but we just didn't know what that was. And so, yeah, I took his advice and I thought, okay, I'm a journalist. What I do is distill information. I talk to people, people tell me things that, and often tell me things that I didn't think they would. And I thought, okay, let me see if I can do this. What are the areas that I feel particularly anxious about? And I started to research people who had expertise in these fields. And I guess that's where it came from, just thinking, what can I do? It was that really, essentially, feeling really anxious, wanting to do something about it, and then working out what that thing was. And I write, and I interview people, and I extract information from people, and I love doing that. So it was using the things that I like to do and that I'm good at to do something that was important to me. Absolutely, and I think that's such a nice way of putting it. You took your skills that you already have and the things that you feel comfortable doing and added that to the conversation. So you went and gathered up these people and interviewed mm-hmm. some amazing people. Yeah. How did you find that process? It's a really good question. The first expert I spoke to was Tristram Stewart. So he's a food waste campaigner. I knew of him through my husband, actually. And he said, my husband said to me, why don't you speak to Tristram? He could be a good place to start. And he was 
so generous and you know I had a couple of conversations with him and I realized when speaking to him how little I knew and you know I may read all these articles that I was saying were making me anxious but I realized that I just didn't know so much about what was going on so that was really interesting to begin with because it, it made me see that there's a lot of work to be done so I spoke to him and I said to him that I had this idea and he said it sounds great if you can get it going I'm there and so even at that stage, I didn't really know what it was going to be. And so I had him, I had his interview, and that was a really great jumping off point to find other people. And then I started to think, okay, so what are the areas that I could focus on? And I wanted it to be areas that affect our everyday lives because I wanted this book to be for people like me who wanted to do something but who aren't experts so I started looking at the things that we interact with like every day so food obviously with Tristram um, clothes you know as a former sort of fashion editor I know a lot about that then I started thinking about money who we bank with how we spend our money the way we travel and I started to section them off into different areas and then researching people well, you should see like my pile of research, all these magazines and newspapers that have been ripped out and I started collecting all these piles of, of research folder where I put various links and I, I can't remember exactly who the second person was but I remember thinking oh I'd love it if Melissa Hemsley was a part of it and I contacted her I didn't know her at all and then um, she replied she'd read Comfort Zones the book that I'd co-edited and she is a huge fan of Tristram so that certainly made her read my email and she got on board and then you start to, to build people up and obviously you know it helps that by the time I contacted person number five I'd had some well-known people and that's how it spiraled all this spiral sounds out yeah. of control and it really wasn't no. <laughs> snowballed into the great thing that it is now oh. you said that when you mm. first interviewed Tristram mm. mm -hmm. you didn't really know where it was going to go mm. what motivated you to keep going you had a great conversation but yeah. how did you know it was going to become something or you wanted to keep going I didn't I did interview Tristram and I think a few months went by because I was still working at Jigsaw at the time and uh, and I felt a bit stuck and I didn't know where else to take it. I didn't know if I could find the time. And then I remember one day listening, gosh, it's so funny, listening to Emma Gannon's podcast and she'd interviewed JP Watson, who is the founder of The Pound Project. And I thought it was a really good interview. And then, it, you know, I, I learned about his, his business. And my idea at the time was to, to keep, whatever the idea was, it was to keep it quite concise because I liked this idea of finding experts, distilling their knowledge, through a really personal, emotional story and then giving the reader something to do. And I thought, oh, the, the Pound Project would be a nice book because it's small, they're pocket-sized books. It was in one of those rare moments of inspiration and action. I just got up, sat at my desk and put a proposal together and sent it to JP Watson and he replied. <laughs> I was really surprised, but he did. and. Then obviously that led to the, the original book. And from that point, I was able to take it to where it is now into a, you know, a long form version published by Welbeck. But that's, that's where it started from. It was just one of those moments where I wanted to do something and just an unexpected conversation on a podcast sparked this idea, just sparked me into action. 
and, and that burst of energy to then go and sit down and write the proposal yeah so I interviewed Tristram and I, I think it probably was a year wow. after I interviewed him that I did that so this is not you know I'm not this sort of constantly like firing off ideas like things take time and you might not expect them to happen but I really do remember that moment and I don't think I was having a good day because mm-hmm. I remember lying on the sofa because I worked I was working half the time from home then and feeling a bit down and then you know listening to the podcast and I just thought I'm gonna do it and it worked which is an amazing feeling it is it is and it is, especially it when you get always. no and you get a positive response yeah that in itself I think is pretty motivating to then see it through to the next stage absolutely yeah amazing yeah. I'm very Thank jealous <laughs> and so you published the pound project mm-hmm. you then partnered up with Welbeck mm-hmm. was did that take a formal book proposal yes as well yeah that was a much different proposal and an approach in general and I remember actually when the pound project one was published I was having a drink with a couple of my friends here like not at the far, South Bank Centre at the South Bank Centre we were outside at summer's evening and I was telling them about it and they said well this sounds amazing why don't you make it big like really yes <laughs> and so they really motivated me to think beyond it yes yeah, so I started thinking okay how do I do this so a quick google will tell you that it's not straightforward but I think you'd have more chance of getting a book published if you have an agent mm-hmm. so I thought I'm going to go down the agent route you don't have to do that you can obviously pitch directly to a publisher but I felt like an agent would be better so again I googled how how to get an agent and put a proposal together so the way you do it is you you identify different agents and depending on who you go for they can be quite specific on their website as to what they want from you so I put a proposal together based on this book obviously and sent it off to a few agents and again I I didn't really have a lot of expectation and I had a few no's but even the no's were nice because people wrote back with reasons which is you know really useful it's a response and it's feedback exactly and then I had two yeses amazing which I it, it just like felt like a dream sometimes and so I had a conversation with both of them and then picked one uh and from then onwards, um, he said to me, Charlie, he said, right, okay, we need to now put a proposal together for the publishers. And that took quite a long time. And he was very supportive and guided me through what was needed. And it's much more substantial than I thought. You know, my proposal to an agent was, I don't know, a couple of pages long. Maybe there are better proposals to agents that are longer than that, but mine are only a couple of pages long. But the proposal to the publisher was much longer, really detailed. Um, you know, Charlie said, let's put some images in, which I would never have considered. That just shows, you know, that the images level... Of- so it helped that because I had done the Pound Project book, he said you could lift some images from, from there, the, like the front cover. And also right. with the Pound Project, we'd made little postcards. Right. So I put those in as well. Um... Yeah, and the proposal's really in-depth. It's a combination of the book itself, the idea for the book itself, a market analysis, you know, where do you see the book sitting? Who is it for? You know, if it were to go into a bookshop, what would it sit next to? And then about me, you know, why, why am I the right person to be writing this book? That took quite a while, back and forth. And then when we got there, Charlie was brilliant and sent it off to every publisher and again that takes a really long time as well because 
you get excited because then you know quite a big publisher shows interest and you think oh, uh, and then they come to you with a question and then you answer that question and then they say no thank you <laughs> and that can be really hard but eventually we got there and it's been brilliant ever since so it's Jo Lowell at Welbeck and she took it on pitching and being accepted by Welbeck well, mm-hmm. that's a long process to go through it is how was that as a process was that enjoyable and what were the hardest parts to it the trickiest part is the fact that there are 21 people involved in this book so it's the writing element was relatively easy compared to the logistics the the admin around it but despite that I think because I went into it already concerned about the logistics around it I don't know whether i just massively lucked out and I'm not just saying this because they're in my book but honestly Isabel they were are the most wonderful 21 people to work with they made it so easy much like when I explained about Tristram when I realized how little I knew that's the saying for pretty much every essay in this book I was learning something every time I spoke to someone and that is one of the joys of being a journalist the fact that you know you have a generalist knowledge um sure you specialize but I was learning something every day and it was incredible so it could have been a lot worse (laughs) but they made it do you think that is that true to your experience being a journalist for the rest of your career for your earlier career or do you think this was maybe something specific to the experts you spoke to for this book no not at all god no (laughs) (laughs) they were very easy and no as a journalist oh my gosh i've interviewed some very difficult people and i think perhaps that's why doing three things was relatively easy because i know what it's like to interview difficult people you know i know what it's like to leave an hour's slot of an interview with very little because the person was hard to talk to or we didn't get on but normally because they didn't want to share whatever had been agreed for us to talk about so no it i think it was a bit of a fluke or or maybe i don't know i just identified some really great people i did they made it a real pleasure but you know it was still hard work going back and forth but i don't know how it could have really gone any more smoothly I feel like there should be some kind of terrible anecdote of you know like a bad place that if there wasn't if that oh. didn't happen if it if no. you enjoyed the process and the process was was relatively easy to get through yeah and I I don't want it to sound like it wasn't hard because it was really hard but not because these people made it hard what's hard is fitting all that work in because I think I I wrote it relatively quickly, but fitting all that work in with my other jobs, because this isn't and wasn't the only thing I was doing. I was doing this alongside various other projects that I'd committed to. So it wasn't easy at all, but it wasn't because of the people involved. It's just the process of, you know, first of all, finding the people, contacting them, chasing them, confirming participation, getting a date in the diary, changing that date. It's a lot of legwork. Interview. It's so much legwork. And it's interesting because the the writing is a relatively small part of the process. But worth noting actually that the writing of it was just 
pure joy and like as a writer and I think lots of writers think this and and say this because it's true as a writer it's amazing how relatively little time you spend writing sometimes given that you're a writer yeah so it felt like such a privilege to when I was writing you know turn their words into essays and and for them to love it as well that would that was a real moment of pride when you know I sort of send the drafts back and think is this you know you happy I say yes um obviously like you know, there were bad tweaks here and there yeah the writing of it was was lovely to get that feedback as you say you've taken all of your years of experience and mm. as a writer as a journalist as an interviewer mm. to get that positive feedback that you've told my story well mm. and in a way I'm happy must feel so good it did because you know in all of them all <laughs> they know things that I don't and didn't and they've been to places I've never been to so it felt so lovely for them to share their stories with me in the first place and you know some of those stories are sad and difficult some of them aren't by the way it's <laughs> some of them are completely different but you know there are some really incredible stories there so it was a privilege for me to hear them and then yeah to to turn that round into a piece of writing that they were so happy with it it really it it felt important and it felt lovely you said in the start of the book mm. you say how you don't want this to turn into something depressing mm. and and you didn't want to feel downhearted in the process mm. and that that these people helped you to not do that with mm. their bold action that they were actually taking mm. and so you described the book as a bit of a to-do list mm. I wonder what the main thing is that you want people to take away from reading three things mm-hmm. and implementing it in their daily life. That's a really good question. I hope I can give a succinct answer to it in line with the book. <laughs> I think the main thing I'd like people to take away from it is this idea that you can change your mind. And I'm not going to say, oh, do this action you know to take an action from from the book whether it's eat less meat or buy less stuff do those things <laughs> but if there was one thing it would be that just be open to changing your mind because there are so many things we can all do but we're all different and we're all driven by different values and ambitions so we have to you know find what's right for us and i think that if we're willing to accept that things have changed and are changing we will be so much more susceptible to accepting new ways of doing things and i think that's you know that that's a great way to be generally whatever you're looking at i just think it's good to to be accepting of difference so that's my that's my key takeaway <laughs> That's a, it's a good take and I think it's as you say it's that ability to learn and unlearn yes yeah that can be applied to to everything mm-hmm. that we do it's it's a probably an underrated skill yeah. I think yeah I agree so to the topic of creativity then mm-hmm. you are a person who creates things mm-hmm. but what does it mean to you to be creative it means gosh and i hope i this doesn't sound too cheesy it means like being true to yourself and i feel lucky that i can do a job where i can be creative because that's what i like to do and and what i'm good at and what what is true to me i i love to write i love to 
speak to people, to interview people, to learn, and just being able to pull those things together into a body of work, whether it's a book or whether it's uh, an interview or whether it's a piece of work for a brand. To be able to do that is important because if it means something to you, if it's, if it's you know, what matters to you, I think that you have to use your creativity to get that out. And we all do it in different ways. I think it comes down to that, to, you know, to being true to, to yourself and to what you believe in. When we talk about creativity, and I mm-hmm. think particularly when you talk about it, when it comes to children and school, mm-hmm. So often people are labelled as either creative or not. Mm. And I think that's a real problem. Yeah, I I agree. I I think that it creates a separation in people who can Mm. go on to, I don't know, think logically and work in a scientific job Mm. and people who create art. Yeah. That that shouldn't be separate. Yeah. When we look at the biggest problems in society or at a global level, Mm. matters of inequality and, and, you know, environmental crisis, there's a separation between the people who are the policy makers and are right at the top mm. and people who think differently mm. about the world and maybe don't follow the system in the same way. Mm. And I wondered what the word creativity means to you when it comes to thinking about those big questions. Mm-hmm. I think I, I like your point about school actually because I completely agree and I think that's so true and that is where things have to change because as soon as children think that they have to be put in a certain box then that will shape the way that they think and you know I remember when I was at school and I I did my A-levels on English, French and maths and I remember my teachers at the time say well that's that's a bit too you're spreading yourself too thin because you've got maths in there but then you've got English as well why don't you do English French and then something else or and I said well no I, I like those things so I did them I didn't do as well in maths but never mind I still you know enjoyed it um, so I, I do think that we shouldn't be so narrow with it because I think that you know you could be a brilliant mathematician but that doesn't stop you from being a creative person and, and you think about famous mathematicians and how can you not label them as creative and creative problem well. solvers absolutely so i think that anybody can be creative and i think we need that in you know these areas of society that you, you've spoken about i think we absolutely need creativity because actually what has been quite evident is that whether we're talking about the climate crisis or any other huge problems that we're facing at the moment, the decisions being made on how to tackle all of these things are essentially driven by the same people and the same types of people. And I'm sure I don't need to spell out the kind of people that they are. I think that is so, it shows how we need to think differently, how we need to think more creatively, because what we've been doing up until now is not working and we need a different way of thinking. It's that quote, isn't it? Old ways won't open new doors. Yeah. And for these systemic and and huge and and varied Mm. and abundant issues, there is no one solution. And I think it goes back to that thing that you said about 
okay, Anna, you know, you're, you're studying English, French and maths. Mm-hmm. I think you need to choose another humanity or, yeah. or whatever the case may be. Multidisciplinary thinking mm-hmm. in academia, mm-hmm. you know, any other level is how you open new, you unlock new solutions. Yeah. And so it's something I obviously feel very passionately about but I think this collection Mm. of essays does that we have Mm. to look at the individual areas as you say let's break it down by the things that touch our lives in different ways and parallels can be drawn and we can learn and we can Mm. borrow from different areas and I think that's how you get to new conclusions absolutely and you know the the contributors in three things are so different to each other. We've got scientists that have you know, spent time in the polar regions who then come back to the UK and show us how to better insulate our homes. So think about that journey, <laughs> how, you know, that, that's in- incredible to go from, from Antarctica back to what do you do at, at home? And, you know, we've got like, there's a Lucy von Sturmer, she's the founder of Creators for climate and that's something that she speaks about a lot of passing the mic you know know when it's time for somebody else to speak um so they are all so completely different and it's almost like getting all these 21 different people that are like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle from different parts of the world different fields of expertise but when you put them together they create a bigger picture and you know you asked me earlier what would i want readers to take away from the book and I'm allowed to have another one it's this idea that everything is connected and we've got to stop seeing things in isolation whether it's like the sandwich you're having for lunch or the jumper that you might be considering buying the way you choose to get to work or go on holiday who you choose to bank with they're all connected because say you you bank with a particular bank and that money then goes towards the funding of perhaps an industry that you wouldn't agree with but you might not know about which then has links to bad sandwich that you might eat and I'm you know obviously not making these sort of tenuous links and not going into detail but everything is connected so you know every action that you take has a consequence somewhere else and, and nothing is sort of neat in a little box that then you can throw away and not think about because that's the other thing that everybody says there is no away and this idea of throwing something away that that's just not true i have to get away from that thinking yeah exactly a big question oh god (laughs) (laughs) for someone who's listening Mm. who might be feeling frustrated or trapped or Mm -hmm. you know in a situation that they feel frustrated about and and that doesn't really feel like their voice is being heard. Mm. For for anyone who feels like they have an idea for how Mm. to make something better, whether it's where they live Mm -hmm. and the energy provider that they Mm -hmm. they use or the energy providers that they feel are accessible to them, Mm -hmm. or whether it's in their school or university or workplace, they Mm -hmm. don't feel like their voice is being heard, but they have an idea for how to tackle an issue. Mm -hmm. What would you say to them? Uh, obviously do it (laughs) Um, but I know that like it did with me it can take a long time to go from idea to execution my main piece of advice would be to research that's another skill that I've had as a journalist knowing your subject matter so I said how I I learn things every time I speak to, to an expert but I research 
the hell out of them <laughs> so that I'm not caught out mm-hmm. and I know you know what I'm doing and I think that that would be my advice just really research find out what's happening in that area whatever it might be so you know for me it happened to be the climate crisis so what is the problem what could the solutions be and how do you go about finding those solutions who who could you speak to who's already doing this where are the gaps so just really really research it because once you've done that you will refine your idea even better because i you know i think that it's quite hard to come up with a brand new completely unique idea ideas tend to come from something else and that's more than okay but it's important to refine what you have and I personally think that the way to do that is to research research and research and ask questions ask people read don't stop until you know until you can articulate what you want to do in a sentence in five words so that you've really honed it down. Which is an admirable thing to strive for, but difficult at times. Really difficult, really difficult. But that's that's my way Mm. of doing it. And God, I'd love to hear how other people would would approach it, but that's how I would do it. And, you know, back to your point on, on creativity and what that term means, that's my way. And as a journalist that's what I was taught to do and it has served me well and plus I love it and you know like it it just research is great because I I like to learn and I feel like there's so much I don't know so that's how I would approach it and three things is published and people can now read the results of your research so they can and I hope they do. Yes. So where can they get a copy of the book? Oh, they can get it from pretty much anywhere. Certainly online, you can get it from... Um, I, I try and direct people to bookshop.org because that's where independent retailers come together. So if you buy your book from there, you're supporting independent bookshops. But you can find it online on Waterstones, Foils, Guardian Bookshop. I'm trying to think of the list that I have that I direct anywhere you people can get to. Your books. Exactly. You can anywhere get. you can get your books. Yeah, you can get it from my local bookshop because I went to see them and they were very happy to stock it. So that I was really nice. It was so nice. Yeah. I love that bookshop. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much and thank you for writing and oh. compiling three things to help heal the planet thank you very much for having me it's all right anyone else ready to write a book proposal after that three things to help heal the planet is a fantastic read for anyone who feels overwhelmed by the constant barrage of information and misinformation about the climate crisis if you grab yourself a copy please do let us know on social you can find us at artists in reside on all the main channels thank you for listening to episode two series two of artists in residence i'd love to know who would you like to see next on the pod email me at isabel at artistsinresidence.fyi and we'll see what we can do until then Thanks for listening and keep on creating.